0: Oh, you are listening to This Week in 1916 with Ray McGovern, following the rising as it happened day by day. Saturday, 29th of April, 1916, 6.30am, complete carnage once again in North King Street. Shortly after dawn, 50 South Staffordshire Regiment made a charge at Riley's Fort. Langan's position had been abandoned. Many were mown down as they ran from that building. Fire erupted from several directions. The road is littered with bodies. Riley's is still holding out, but the position is under increasing pressure. Snipers dominate every piece of open ground. 6.14 at Moore Street. It's quiet, but movement on the street means certain death. Earlier on, Commander McLaughlin's plan was outlined to the headquarters staff. They are now preparing a diversionary attack against enemy lines sealing the exit to the Great Britain Street. As this attack progresses, their main body is set to make a break for the forecourts. Rebels are securely placed along the eastern terraces of houses as far as Sackville Lane, and their expanded front line will render any British counterattack costly. Should they move into Moore Street against the Republicans, they will have to deal with fire from their front and side. Time is running out for the insurgents, however. Just minutes ago, Lachlan asked for volunteers for a do-or-die assault on the barricade. His request highlighted just how polarised his men's morale had become. Some are barely able to stand. Exhaustion, they are in no condition to mount such an attack. Others, however, still seem to want to take the fight to the enemy. Their dusty, worn faces show few illusions about surviving the morning. Ten to seven, plans are being prepared by 3rd Battalion in Boland's Mills, a breakout the destination not yet certain 653 in the south dublin union the volunteers are resupplied rested and regrouped news from the city is scarce the position is now secure 655 as does the nearby distillery morale here is at its height Cayley is planned for tomorrow night to celebrate the garrison's success four courts is holding firm college of surgeons Garrison is starving. The sniper fire has just broken out on St. Stephen's Green. Boland's Mills are now under. Sniper fire at 7 a.m. There's no love lost here between the sides. Yesterday, volunteers buried Patrick Whelan. 23 year old man from Rings End was shot in the eye on Wednesday. Unable to get a direct shot at the burial party, British snipers tried to kill them instead with ricochets aiming their fire at the surrounding walls. 8 a.m. Scenes at Moore Street. The family has been machine gunned. Moments after sl- they fled from the building. The building uh, had threatened to engulf them. The family fell victim to the rapacious gunner. They had moved out into the street slowly and apprehensively. Their heads were crouched as the father's arms stretched out in front. Waving a homemade white flag. Petrified, they darted between the rubble in their way, the source of the shooting, and the buildings facing them, which offered sanctuary. As they reached halfway, another burst caught them. It was a dreadful scene. Anyone who witnessed it turned away in disgust. It happened close to the building being used by the rebels as their headquarters. Increasing reports are coming in of civilian casualties in the area, one of whom was a teenage girl shot by a rebel kicking in the door of a nearby cottage. Nine o'clock, a short time ago, a broad of rifle fire flew from Riley's Fort into North King Street and cut into the infantry attack on the junction to its front. The attack was driven back. Father Matthew Hall is thronged with the wounded. Building stinks echoes to many groans. Medics are struggling to cope. They move among the wounded, their feet slipping on the festering blood on its floors. North King Street is a death zone. It's been impossible to tend to the wounded men on these streets. Even the shadows are being fired at. The air is thick with smoke and desolation. 9.40 a.m. Scenes of extraordinary bravery have been witnessed in the Dublin streets. The fire brigade have been out all week, often working under fire from both sides. Scores of civilians have been saved by these men streets Street smoulders, they have their work cut out, many of the men form its ranks have brothers, sisters, friends and cousins fighting in both British and Republican uniforms, unexploded shells present a terrible threat as do clusters of the rebels' homemade canister bombs. 950, terrible tragedy in Dublin docks, a woman has been shot on Ringsend drawbridge in front of her three children. It is unclear where the shot came from, but Beggar's bush barracks is the most likely source. The nearby rebels in the Mills building are helpless to render age. Aid, and movement will draw fire from the same source. Our children are crying and pulling at her, clearly unable to take this in. Riley's force fell under constant attacks in South Staffordshire has gained position on the North King Street. The decision was made to evacuate the position. The front door was open and the British soldiers trained the sights of their guns in its direction, expecting an outpouring of volunteers. An order to charge was heard unexpectedly, and volunteers started jumping from side windows and racing towards Church Street. The enemy had been duped. The machine gun quickly traversed and let rip, but it was too late. The volunteers had made it. The soldiers then gave chase. From the when they reached the top of Church Street, the volunteers on the roof of Bridewell fired with everything they had, forcing the pursuers to rush for shelter. A section of the South Safford raced to occupy the vacant road Riley's Fort, but once inside, they found themselves trapped. The Bridewell and Monk's bakery position had them in their gun sights. Any attempt to leave was met with a heavy barrage of rifle fire. Twelve noon at Jacob's Factory has come down from the towers that British soldiers are moving into Patrick's place and that civilians are being evacuated from their homes in the surrounding neighbourhood. Rumours have spread that the area is to be flattened so that the artillery can get a direct shot at 2nd Battalion headquarters. White flags in Moore Street. A short time ago, a nurse was seen leaving the headquarters of 16 Moore Street. She was fired at initially until it became visible to the gunners that she was carrying a white flag. She has since approached the British barricade. One o'clock. Rebels preparing their last stand. The South Staffordshires have launched another attack against the barricade at the junction of North Brunswick Street and Upper Church Street, but were forced back. The wounded and dead are strewn across the junction. Nearby Church Street, the battle has ebbed and flowed with ever increasing ferocity. At least two volunteers have just been killed in Church Street as they counterattacked with their comrades. Machine guns and rifle fire seems never-ending. The volunteers are now turning Moore's court coach coachworks into a fortress, maybe the last line of defence. Shelburne Hotel, four, 4 o'clock, where carnage was unleashed from the fourth floor at dawn. As dawn broke last Tuesday, now looks over a deathly quiet Stevens Green. Foraging parties have been sent out again from the College of Surgeons to the nearby streets to search for food. Returning with meagre supplies and rumours of capitulation, the entire city seems quiet and silent along a week-long cacophony of violence. Half-four surrender negotiations in Moore Street. Just moments ago, Nurse Elizabeth Farrell, who is believed at present that she hailed from City Key in Dublin, approaches the barricade with Commander Pierce. Pierce appears to be involved in an acrimonious discussion with Brigadier General Lowe, who is accompanied by a young officer possibly his son John. They've just moved in the direction of Sackville Street, presumably for better cover, and appear to be negotiating terms of surrender. 1530, it's officially a Republican surrender. Commanding Pierce has been driven away to an own location. Meanwhile, Nurse Farrell has returned to Moore Street with instructions. Commanding James Conley, aspirant instructions has been carried on a stretcher by four of his men. As he's handed over the barricade, there is silence. His leg is strapped up, but he appears to be in agony. Everywhere there is silence. Infantrymen sit about, their bayonets still fixed to their weapons, smoking and resting. At the barricade, both sets of enemies eye one another up and down and say nothing. Connolly has been manhandled over the barrier with great respect from his new captors. Courage is a thing being respected by fighting men, regardless of uniform. And the steadfast bravery displayed by this man is undeniable. On Moore Street, things are deathly still. Seven o'clock. First Battalion surrenders at Four Courts. Nurse fire has delivered the surrender document to Commandant Daly. Daly ordered all men manning positions and barricades to return to the Four Courts, but appears unable to contact his men on North Brunswick Street. Aggressing those in the courts, he informed them of the order to surrender. They were stunned. Surrender has never crossed their minds. They argued that they could hold out for a month. Daily however, was adamant they obey orders. Word was then sent to the men on the Bridewell roof to return to the forecourts and prepare for surrender. The men refused and continued to fire the British soldiers in the North King Street area. Another order was then dispatched, them. they reluctantly complied. The men of 1st Battalion then marched, Out of the forecourts building and began handing their weapons through the railings to the waiting Dublin fusiliers (coughs) who looked exhausted but tremendously relieved. Ten past seven ceasefire in North Brindling Street. A short time ago a pair of priests managed to arrange a ceasefire. Apparently the volunteers there wished for official confirmation of surrender from their headquarters. Lines of demarcation have been set up. Recently two British officers wandered across the and were met with several guns dozen gun barrels, who knows what tomorrow may bring. 1945, rebels form up Surrender, at Sackville Street, a report from the area a short time ago. A filthy, exhaust, but intensely proud Irish volunteers and citizen army men finally formed into two lines on the eastern side of the tram lines between Nature's Place and Cathedral Street. Behind them was a block of buildings that housed the Gresham Hotel. To both their front and rear stood a cordon of British infantry. Another command rang out from Commander McLaughlin: Front line five paces forward, rear line two paces back, deposit arms. Subsequent clatter of the last rifle hitting the ground signalled that thousands of other gathered in the area that the battle for Dublin city was all but over. The rear rack then stepped back. Among them still attempted to go their adversaries at this point by pu- pulsing their backs up as they were touching the bayonets of the troops standing behind them as they approached closer and closer every step, the pointing bayonets of the men now eyeing them with malevolence. They advanced until their chest began to place pressure on the sharp steel. The tension mounted while in the distance the rifle fire continued to echo sporadically. General Lowe suddenly rang angrily towards McLaughlin as he bellowed, Who the hell gave you the authority to give orders here? I told you to leave your bloody arms in Moor Street. I'll have you damn well shot. Lachlan looked back with contempt. He then drew his sword from his scabbard before thrusting it into the ground next to the general's immaculately polished boots. Lowe glared back at him. Twenty hours of Jacobson's guard has been on high alert all day due to noticeable lull and firing from further into the city. The men were called to man their positions. An imminent attack was expected. Many inside feel their time is at hand. 2040 hours the surrender of GPO Moore Street Garrison is now being detained in the grounds of the Rotunda Hospital. They are exhausted, hungry and cold. Their treatment at the hands of the captives varies from rough to indifferent from occasional kindness. An odd crack of gunshots still reports from the city as it waits for the next moves of these momentous events to be played out. Tomorrow will tell.